0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. On Wednesday, Chancellor Jeremy Hunt announced an autumn statement which felt for all the world like a starting gun in the countdown to a general election which has to be held by about this time next year. It included a cut in national insurance contributions, kept the triple lock in place and featured a raft of business investment measures. I'm Damien Fantato, Deputy Editor at FT Advisor. And with me to pick through this week's announcements are Ian Cook, Chartered Financial Planner at Quilter Shiviot, Claire Trott, Director at Technical Connection, and Matt Todd, Associate Director at RSM. Hello, everyone. Uh, so, so leading the headlines in the immediate aftermath of the autumn statement was the cut in national
1: insurance contributions. Uh, Matt, wh- what do you uh, make of this? So we've got cuts on the self-employed on the employee side. So the self-employed, um, we're getting an abolishment of Class 2 national insurance, which was about just less than £4 a week. Um, that was going to be cut, I think, about five years ago, and they ended up going back on it. So I think that's a bit of an easement for um, self-employed individuals. And then they cut in the Class 4 rate, which is the rate on profits from 9% to 8%. Um, obviously that's helpful it's a boost for the self-employed the equivalent cuts for employees in their class one national insurance rate um, is from twelve percent to ten percent so for um someone that earns over fifty thousand pounds that's a seven hundred and fifty pounds saving a year so you know that that is definitely incentivizing to work I think it's it's what it says on the tin mm-hmm. uh, Ian as
0: a financial planner what's your uh, reaction to the uh, this, this cut in next I think
2: initially my first thoughts were it was a welcome cut but I think when you delve a little bit deeper into uh, beyond the beyond the headlines and behind, behind the storylines that'll likely be in the press tomorrow it feels like a little bit of political posturing perhaps on behalf of the conservatives currently what looks like in the polls they're losing a general election race that it feels like today was perhaps the start of um positioning for a manifesto and really in terms of when you consider fiscal drag and the fact that there's been no changes to any um, any of the tax thresholds that that really is a thing that's been hurting people over over an extended period of time whilst very much welcoming the changes i do feel that it isn't going to make a huge amount of difference to those that have seen their gas and electric bills triple over the last 12, 24 months. So in real terms, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, but a very welcome change all the same.
0: Mm-hmm. Claire, what do you think?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we should always welcome a cut. Um, I think for for me, this was the easy option. Um, doing something with income tax is much harder um, and there's ways to sort of counteract different things. So for it's, yeah, we should be grateful. Um, but actually I would have expected there to be... Um, Something more for employers as well, um, especially as we've seen the increase in the um, national minimum wage. So the cost of employers for employing people is going to go up, and they're going to see that cost obviously expedited by the being, you know, uh, not having any reduction in national insurance themselves. So people, individuals, are going to be a winner. Uh, just like Ian said, I think this is positioning for a, an election rather than necessarily um, a, a real true. Uh, cut on the drive but yeah as as we said we we'll, we'll always take a take a, a tax cut however we see it
0: mm-hmm. in the before the before the autumn statement, we were saying that uh, you know there there was a, a lot of the rumours were foc- initially focused around inheritance tax that didn't, doesn't seem to have been touched. Then it moved on to income tax that doesn't seem to have been touched. And now we um, they've uh, settled on uh, on this uh, cut to, to national insurance. What do you make of uh, of the of this
1: uh, shift over the over the over the weeks uh, leading up to the autumn statement? So inheritance tax was was apparently the tax to be cut in, in this um, statement and I think we, we heard that in the press for months not weeks before the statement uh, but most recently I think it, it came out that it, the the rumour was a cut to the rate of inheritance tax rather than a sort of abolishment uh, full stop and I think that fell flat politically um, because if you oppose inheritance tax you don't care what rate it is if it's 40% or 30% so I think that that sort of took them back to the drawing board probably at the last hour and then sort of over the last maybe 48 hours we heard about the national insurance uh, contributions cut and then we've got the news today. I guess national insurance contributions rather than income tax meant that, you know, Jeremy Hunt could stick true to his uh, desires and his principles of, you know, getting people to work, whereas income tax could have been viewed as a cut for sort of people with passive income, investors, landlords, etc.
0: And, uh, Ian, from from your perspective, is the... um, uh, there were lots of there were, there were several tax cuts which were floated uh, as i mentioned how do you um, feel uh, about where we ended up would you have rather seen inheritance tax or income tax cut and what do you make of the fact that um, they might have opted not to not to touch the first two and went for Godfrey next instead
2: i think yeah i think very good question on the position of inheritance tax i've always been of a view Although it doesn't touch much of the population, it as the polls have shown, it's a very emotive subject with many people feeling like their hard-earned cash or their estate is going to pass through that through that threshold. But I've always been of a view that it's in some ways it's a middle earners tax because generally clients or individuals or institutions with significant amounts of cash can afford to pay advisors to Essentially, mitigate their inheritance tax liability. So, in some ways, there's a bit of a moot point, and I can see why they've decided not to, um, not to actually make a change to that particular area. In the area of income tax, I think, as Claire alluded to earlier, it would be much more poignant and much more beneficial to working individuals to have seen a cut in the rate of income tax. Um, I'd also be interested picking up on Claire's point about um, national insurance. See, so, wage inflation over a period has been escalating. And I just wonder if, have they balanced the books in terms of additional national insurance take from the employer side to supplement what is no longer going to be paid by the employees, so the, the reduction? I just wonder if there's just a bit of political accountancy happening inside the books there. Um, but again, without seeing the data, it'd be very, very hard to to comment. But always, a cut to income tax would have been preferential for sure.
0: Mm. Do you agree?
3: Uh, yeah, I definitely, definitely agree that. Um, and I think the cuts to income tax are much harder to bring in quickly. Um, and they wanted to do something so that people could see it now. We've seen changes in national insurance mid-year. If we take last year, the flitting between the the different rates that um, and and. Employers have probably got systems now. They know it's going to change. So it's not all hard-coded. So it's it's relatively easy for someone to change something at short notice. Income tax, we know when we've had changes in income tax rates, there's always a knock-on effect to the next level and the next level. Um, I would have really have liked to have seen an increase in the personal allowance. But we know that because of the changes that they made in March with uh, bringing down the 45% tax ban to the top of the 60% tax ban, then um, if you increase the personal allowance, then you've got the issue with the sixty percent tax ban. So you'd have to change all of them, in essence, to 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 make it work. Otherwise, you end up with these weird numbers. Um, so I, I can see why they've gone down the NI route. Um, I'm not surprised about the, the the IHT. I think it was leaked to see how everyone felt about it. Um, and it, it wasn't getting the, the same traction that they probably hope it would get and they probably thought actually we can get a bigger bang for our buck by doing something different mm-hmm. um and we know it's a hated tax um i think as, as ian said but it's not something that, that is really impacting as many people when it actually happens than they think it's going to mm-hmm. um and you know the, the, the Conservatives are often um looked at you know, with with iht so a cut in that would probably be reflect relatively negative on them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, as you alluded to, the, the next cut is being expedited to, to January rather than April, which is one of the uh, one of the factors which make uh, have made a few commentators suggest that uh, we're going to get an election in spring. Um, Matt, what do you think about what um, the points that Claire just made? What, what's your reaction?
1: So, I'm a little bit. I think you know the inheritance tax, I think it did fall flat politically. I think stamp duty land tax was also mentioned. I think that sort of falls flat politically because how often does the average person pay stamp duty land tax? Mm -hmm. Not very often. I think, although Jeremy Hunt didn't mention it in his speech, there has been some ISA reforms and there's some finer details come out about that now. Um, And that's going to be more important given we've got the ongoing fiscal drag and the sort of reduction in tax allowances like the dividend allowance on the horizon. Um, So they could be somewhere to watch going forward. I think the the additional flexibility around picking ices could be really helpful to individuals in making sure they mitigate sort of the the stealth tax from frozen bans and allowances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so just to say with you, Matt, you you and Ian have both mentioned fiscal
0: drag and you've mentioned some of the the changes to the dividend allowance. Jeremy Hunt was making a big show about the fact that how he was a tax-cutting tax cutting chancellor do you how do you see um people as being in a a particularly in a much better position after the 6th
1: of january when this next cut will come in as as to how they were before i don't suppose i mean ian mentioned sort of energy bills and you know the next cut for an individual, so someone that's earning up to the higher rate, so the full National Insurance main rate band, the maximum cut for employees is seven hundred and fifty-four pounds a year, and for the self-employed, it's half of that. But then they also stop paying Class Two, so we're talking about a few hundred pounds a person. Which obviously, if, if you are earning over the fifty k, then you definitely take it. But it's not really touching the sides. And I think this this fiscal dragon, the stealth tax, if you have got a pay rise and you're an adi- you are now you are a higher rate or additional rate taxpayer any further pay rise you get, you're going to be paying the highest rates of tax and the Nix rate has only changed the main band so that's not touching the top. Um, y- you know, you're just paying, you're paying a higher burden of tax now overall. Mm-hmm. And
0: you mentioned the self-employed there, obviously, um, the, is it some of the, obviously he announced, um, let me just remind you, he abolished it, didn't he? Abolished the class two. Abolished the class three. that's right. Yeah. And you mentioned the uh, self employed then, he abolished uh, Class 2 uh, NICs for them. Uh, is that how, how sort of transformational is that likely to be for someone who's self employed, if at all?
1: Not particularly. I think Class 2 was helpful to sort of the lower earning self employed people because they could pay it voluntarily and get the, sta- uh, the state pension credit, the national insurance credit. Um, but, you know, at less than £4 a week, it was a few hundred pounds a year, mm. um, you know, just a bit more than £200 to pounds a year. In tax, um, so again, it's if you've got a self-employed person that's earning the big bucks more than fifty k or more than one hundred k, they're paying the sixty percent marginal rate plus NICs. It's not really transformative. Mm. Sure,
0: Ian, I don't know how many of your clients are, are self-employed. Do you um, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would
2: tend to tend to agree. I think anything that simplifies tax or contributions for tax is is welcome. So many of our self-employed clients typically they will deal with these matters through their accountant so it's not necessarily something we would touch or even a conversation that one that one might have um so for me the change is limited in how i'm going to structure and plan what i'm doing with clients i just wanted to touch on one of matt's points as well regarding allowances or indirectly regarding allowances which is we're having now with the reduction in capital gains tax allowance we're changing the way in which we plan for clients whereas you know typically before we were putting monies into say general investment accounts to feed ices over a number of years with the fact that the capital gains tax rate has been changed from over twelve thousand pounds to six down to three and then the dividend allowance also being cut we're now having to be more creative in the ways that we look after and manage clients money and again what that does is we then end up moving monies into more tax efficient vehicles for the for the client so it has a net effect of probably reducing taxation that's coming into the state as a, as a result because we're reticent to use those type of accounts where you may have said to a client well actually look deposit the money in this, this account we can make Twelve thousand pounds in gains per year, and you're just going to pay either ten or twenty percent tax on the amount above that we make. Those clients now are encouraged to look at other vehicles. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, side side note there, as opposed to directly.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting, um Claire. One of the uh, other, perhaps. Uh flashier if that's the right word um announcements it, at least as pertains to to our sector was the announcement of a of a, of a of a pot for life um effectively it gives um people the right to stay to to ask their a new employer to pay and contributions into their existing pension pot um what's your um, reaction to that
3: um I think, I think it depends on which who you're viewing it as so I think, you know, as an individual, then you think that actually that's you know, really good. You know, I can make sure all my money's in, in one place. Um, I don't have to do transfers. Um, I, I can understand where it is. And I'll always just have one piece of paper to fill in when I move house. That sounds like a really good idea. The practicalities of it might be very different. Um, and again, we're back to that cost of employers. Um, employers... In some cases, for their executives, will pay to another pension scheme, but it's generally quite hard work to make sure that they're doing it correctly through payroll, and they pay the right amount to the right people in the right month. Um, and you know, we've just got into the point that we're happily settled in the world of auto enrolment, um, and for you know, it's it's relatively easy to move those new schemes. I would say it's always difficult and a much much harder to move an old scheme because there's a lot more complexities that, that we know that should get advice, but the new schemes that are pretty bland post-2006, moving them between one another, not difficult. Um, so, potfollows member could have been an actually much easier thing to do, rather than um, causing the cost and the issues to the employer to then have to pay the money across. There was a side note on that that says, um, and continue to look at bringing that in with CDC, There's there's still a lot of Comments in there about CDC and, and promoting CDC, and um, I think you know, there hasn't been the uptake in that that the government probably thought there was going to be. And I think this might be another drive towards that. Um, but you know, it's, but it's it's just a call for evidence. It's a call for evidence that's going to take a long time to go through the motions. Um, as we talked about the the government, we talked about the um, election. I can't see any chance of anything like this being put in place um any time before the election um i know they like to push things through um but but this would be something that really really needs to be thought through otherwise we could end up with money flying around all over the place costs to even the individuals if they end up in a pension scheme that's charged completely differently to what their auto enrollment scheme is but with no additional benefits then um what's necessarily the point how how are we going to be able to do that value f- for money for clients uh, if they're if they're not Actively seeking advice, not actively um speaking to the people and getting the right information. Um, I know lots of people that just—they're you know, in the default fund. They've never thought about it, um, and some of them've been in the default fund for twenty years. So, you know, how is that going to work with these people? They might just go, "Oh yeah, just keep sticking it in there," and it, their lives change. The scheme changes, the charges change, the fund itself changes, um, and they just think, "Well, actually, it's okay because the government has suggested that that's." the right thing for me to do mm-hmm. i think you know, we we need we really need to actively encourage people to to take responsibility for what they're doing where they're paying in um and at least with ae we've got the employer's responsibility to make sure that it's a decent scheme the charges are kept below a certain level and and um their default fund is suitable for their their client base as such their members so um it's going to take a lot of work it could work but i think it'll be hard work and again, a cost to the employers, which seems to be a, a bit of a theme that we seem to be talking about today.
0: <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, it seems the general consensus is that this uh, this is an awesome statement, which was um, um, all uh, all all talk and, and no walk. Uh, a lot of sound and, and fury signifying nothing. Um, Matt, what's your? What, is, you... can I just on, can please. I expand po- to do. Claire's
2: point there? Because I think. Claire, you made some excellent points there. And and personally, my my view would be I would be concerned about range of investment options that may be available. Auto-enrollment's been a success largely due to employee apathy, thinking mm-hmm. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna contribute because I'm auto-enrolled and actually I'm just gonna forget to send the cancellation letter. But moreover, I think if anything over the last 24 months has taught us that there's clients or individuals that have been auto enrolled into schemes that have automatically lifestyled so those individuals that have gone into the default fund they have not engaged with the scheme are now in funds that are potentially significantly lower than they were at the start of 2022 because those funds have automatically defaulted and purchased um, government corporate bonds over that period for the safe option for the purchase of an annuity I would have liked to have seen some reform in the form of engagement, getting employees to engage better, you know, workplace um, enrollment programmes and education programmes. That That's where I see the value. One pot, I can understand why the government have launched it, but I'm, I'm quite strong on engagement, having, you know, been party to picking up the pieces of where people have, just trusted the employer or trusted the government ended up in the default fund and been lifestyled out um you know those individuals have been left to potentially accept a lower income in retirement or work for more years
0: mm-hmm. well it, it seems like the consensus is that this is a an awesome statement which was a lot of uh, a lot of talk and not a huge amount of walk um uh, W- Matt, what's your?
1: Would you agree with that? What's your takeaway? What's your overall takeaway from this from statement? I think I I totally agree with that. So a lot of talk and not a lot of walks. Obviously, there was all sorts went in the press, and then we've just come out with basically for the individual perspective. It is just the national insurance contributions that is a, a considerable um, tax cut or change, and and that's just a it's a t- twinking a of rates really rather than anything else although class 2 getting abolished is a slightly different matter but not a significant amount really to most businesses um self-employed businesses i think you know going so the the national insurance saving that arises in the basic rate band because above that you pay the normal rate of the the lower 2% rate of national insurance whether you're an employee or a self-employed individual so individuals that are earning more than 50,270 in the UK slightly lower figure in Scotland um for the scottish income tax rate they're paying the same rate of tax it's presumably going to be frozen tax bans and allowances as was forecast um and for them it's probably all about thinking about okay if you're an employee probably the only option is to go look at your pension pension contributions tax relief you know you can make you can get significant tax relief and then hopefully you are saving for your retirement um but then again the the pension the accessible age of pensions private pensions is going up to 57 in five years time so that might not be desirable for some people um you know if you put money into ISAs and ISAs are increased flexibility that that could be good maybe for savings and you can now shop around for the best rates and ch- uh, switch between ISAs but it it's it's not a particularly big thing you know the ISA allowance hasn't gone up for a number of years now and there was no announcement that that will go up it's going to be the same next year so yeah i think there's, there's not a lot for individuals to be doing here um mm. one thing you won't be able to do
0: uh whether that's good or bad is for other people to do. Just to put your money into a British ISA, which uh, didn't see the uh, didn't see the light of day in the end. Uh, I'll uh, leave our listeners to decide whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. Um, Ian, um, what's, your, what's, what's your what's your overall um, takeaway? Do you agree with uh, Matt that it's sort of a lot of uh, talk and not a lot? More? Yeah,
2: it it felt to me very much like a dusting down of the election engine and giving it a little bit of a polish to grab some headlines perhaps um, tomorrow morning when people are looking at the newspapers. Um, if you're not of a particular, polit- particular political mind to understand the details below, you're going to look at the headlines and think, that's going to help me. Um, and it just felt like it was something that was needed and they couldn't really bring forward any great reform because they can't afford to lose any more, lose any more ground. So I always felt that it was going to be a modestly positive autumn statement without anything controversial in there. Um, I would have liked to have heard a little bit more from the opposition side rather than just, I guess, just a a little bit of political infighting in in, in the Commons with Rachel Reeves' statement. I didn't hear anything in there that made me think, oh, wow, that's someone that i want to entrust with the economy in, into the future so so yeah like i say a dusting down and a polish in getting ready for a spring assault mm.
0: claire what about you
3: yeah i mean i think the 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 statement itself when he stood up there and he talked yeah didn't didn't come a lot i think there's there's a lot of detail to pick through um just being through some of the 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 underlying um Parts of the statement for the actual, the actual publication is to say there's some bits in there about ISIS, there's some bits in there about protecting DB schemes, there's some more stuff in there about CDC, um, there's stuff about pensions investments as well, which, again, is, is something that the government is pushing but can't force. So they want to encourage pensions to be there to invest in things that are going to help growth, but they, they can't force them to because trustees have to do the right thing for their uh, their, their members. So I think once we pick through it, there's going to be things for people like myself and Matt and Ian to be interested in, but the headlines for your average show public is probably not going to necessarily be any more than the, the, the next changes really. Mm. Um, and, 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 and maybe they'll get a bit excited about the pensions pots because, you know, it's pensions who wouldn't. <laughs> um, but but I, I think, yeah, we, there's going to be plenty, plenty for us techies to talk about, but it's going to be down to the, detail rather than anything that's going to be mind blowing and uh, and uh, change the world.
0: Cool. Great well um thank you to um Mattian and um, Claire and thank you for listening and uh tune in again next week for the next edition of the FT advisor podcast. Thank you.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from coriant
2: Learn how at Bellincat.com